There might be fewer players, but there's never a lack of exciting action. This is the statewide Idaho eight-man prep cast with Brandon Bainey and Paul Kingsbury. That was my lame attempt at trying to uh, superimpose your name over the uh, the title <laughs> card there, Will. I don't know if you nice. heard me or not. <laughs> uh, I did not, but... okay. <laughs> well, regardless, we're off and running. It's the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey with Will Henneke. It's brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. We're breaking down everything that happened in the 8-Man opening round uh, of the playoffs from last week. Uh, you heard on the title, Paul Kingsbury, he hasn't been around for several weeks. Will, thank you again for for stepping in. Nope, glad to be here. At this point, you are the, the co-host. I mean, it's not... <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's all right. That's okay. We'll, we'll forgive Paul. He might have a few things to, to be taken care of these days. Yes. And almost as if he heard us, uh, I got a message from him just now. So (laughs) it's, that's, that's kind of spooky actually. Let's see if you messaged me too. My main monitors over here. So if I look over here, nope, nothing to me. So all right, just you. Well, let's uh, let, let's dive into what happened last week in the eight-man ranks. And I think the biggest story statewide that got everybody's attention, partly because it was it was the biggest story, but also partly because it was the very first action we got. It was Thursday afternoon, 2 o'clock in Bancroft at the 1A D2 level. North Gem, a team that you and I both thought could go really far. They were my championship pick, actually, at the 1A D2 level. So I'm going to have to reassess there. Um, they are playing Camas County. This is a game that North Gem led, you know, comfortably even into the fourth quarter. And, and yeah. Camas County had a comeback for the ages and a wild comeback win. Yeah, it's funny. I was uh, I was driving with my daughter up to North the North. We were going to Spokane. That's where my family's from. We were going to visit my family, and uh, I've got a, a buddy who has some some family on that team, some nephews and, and whatnot. And he started texting me. He's like, "Hey, did you know this game is tied?" And I'm like, "Well, I actually forgot it was." this afternoon. So, you know, I wasn't aware that it was going at this point. And then he starts texting me updates. And as he's texting me updates, I'm transferring them onto the Idaho eight man Twitter. And I, I stopped a couple of times, you know, like when we're at gas stations and whatnot. And I'm like, tell me you're not screwing with me here. Tell me that it's not like 52 to nothing North gem. And you're just horsing with me because I'm, I'm taking what you're saying and I'm putting it on Twitter because it was that unexpected. Um, you know, they did a fantastic job coming back 28 points in the fourth quarter. They score, I, I think it was three touchdowns in the final six minutes. Um, they, they get that, they get that win. And I mean, obviously highly, highly, highly improbable. Uh, I reached out to a few coaches that I know around the state that have been in the eight man game for a while. And I, and I asked them, I'm like, can you think of another, game that in terms of of records because you had seven and one against I I believe it was like two and six or two and five um can you remember a bigger upset in the eight-man ranks in in your time and uh there was one coach who thought of a couple of games that he's like I can think of a couple of games that in terms of the actual quality of the teams um the disparity was that large um but in terms of you know a, a one seed getting beat by a four seed in a play-in round where one team is, uh, you know, third or fourth in the state, whereas the other team has to win a game just to get into the playoffs. He's like, I can't think of anything that was that, that was quite that wide. Um, and then he told me towards the end of the game that 
uh, a North Gem player. Uh, they had to bring an ambulance on the field because he was injured. So uh, I checked in with Coach Hatch after the game, and uh, and he said, you know, we don't know for sure what it is, but we we've since heard that it's it's not too serious. Apparently, not too serious. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I've been told it's not too serious. Anyway. Uh, we got to talking about the game a little bit and he, he said, you know, I won't use it as an excuse because, you know, I, I, I think my kids are good enough, but he's like, you know, injuries were a factor. And if you read our previews at the beginning of the year on Idaho sports, almost every eight man coach in the state, when there's a question on the questionnaire that says X factor, what do they say? Health. Because when you've only got 15 kids on the roster, 18 kids on the roster, you lose a couple to injury. You lose a couple of two-way starters out of the eight to injury. It doesn't matter if you're seven and one or you're one and seven. That changes your outlook. And and he credited, he credited Camus and he said they took advantage. You know, we were a little bit beat up and, and they were able to take advantage and they beat us, tip our hat to them. And then the next day on Twitter, Bridger Hatch, who played, he wasn't one of the injured players, 200 yards rushing, three touchdowns, you know, another great game for Hatch, almost 2,000 yards rushing on the season. He said on Twitter in response to a Camas County administrator uh, who had tweeted something about no one thought we could win or something like that, uh, you know, Bridger Hatch responded to that administrator and, and said, nope, they deserved it. And so, you know, I will give a lot of credit to North Gem. That had to have stung. That had to have stung because I'm with you. That was a team that I thought was going to compete for a state championship. And when healthy, I think they would. However, comma, they didn't roll that excuse out. In fact, they they owned it. You know, they just said, hey, Camas County deserved it. And, uh, you know, that's that's to me, that's a pretty big hat tip to the Cowboys because it would have been really easy for them to just say, oh, well, this kid was hurt and this kid was hurt. And if we would have had our guys, but they they didn't hide behind that. They just said, hey. You know, the players on the field, North Gem deserved to win. I'm sorry, Camas County deserved to win. There you go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I I know exactly about the Twitter exchange that you're talking about. It was uh it was Mike McCann, the uh athletic director at Camas County High, and he basically, you know, had the final score and then he said, Too bad some people didn't think we deserved to be in the playoffs. I will admit I was one of those people, and clearly I was wrong because this is what we talked about, right? just the opportunity to come in and compete, you never know what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's one of those, and we've had this conversation on this program a couple of times, the preceding versus picking the best teams. If we were picking the 12 best teams, I, I don't think Camas County makes that field. But in a preceding thing where District 4 gets four teams in, they were the fourth best team. So in, in that context, within the seeding system that was – chosen and approved by the athletic directors and by the IHSAA, they absolutely deserve to be in. In a different format, maybe they don't make it, but that's, you know, if ifs and nuts were candies and ifs and buts were candies and nuts. I'm screwing up everything this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. You know, Camas County, fact is they deserve to be there because the format dictated that they were the best team for that spot. And and they they validated it all by even if even if they had lost that game, even if they don't get that last touchdown, uh, and and North Gem holds on to win, they they validated it by going down there on a short week on a Thursday afternoon, and and they traded punches with with a, with a with a darn good football team, and the fact that they came out to win just validated it that little that little pinch more. Yeah, they were trailing 
in the fourth quarter, 20 to, they trailed at halftime 20 to six. Yep. And then they outscored North Jim in the fourth quarter, 28 to eight mm-hmm. to complete that comeback. The game winning touchdown came from Marcus Staley with just 31 seconds to play. And I'm sure they were shell shocked at North Jim. When we look at Camas County, and you mentioned six losses, two and six coming into the playoffs. Well, who were their losses to? Carrie, Castle, oh, some Ford, good teams Detroit, for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they lost to Notice, which is a playoff team in the D1 ranks. And mm-hmm. then they lost to both Rockland and North Gen. They, yep. they played North Gen earlier in, in September. So, I mean, all of those losses were to playoff teams. So that's why you can't get into the habit, and I do this all the time, I'll admit. You can't look at just the record and make an assumption, right? Yeah, and and Camus has some good players. You mentioned Marcus Staley had a nice game. Dawson Kramer had a great game. He's had a nice year, just period. Troy Smith, you know, they, they've got some, they've got some decent athletes. And the, um, uh, my, my friend who has family on the team, he sent me a, uh, a picture of the, the roster. And one of the problems with some of those teams in, in that general region, you know, we've seen Richfield try and try and try, and they just can't quite make it. And Camas County, some years they have 12 kids, some kids, sometimes they have 11 they had 18, 19 kids on the roster. And I mean, man, if, if, if you've got enough kids in the eight man ranks where you can legitimately go eight on eight at practice and actually work on things, you know, you got a shot. So I was really impressed to look at that and to see some of those numbers. And it looks like, um, you know, a fair number of those kids come back next year. Uh, they do lose Dawson Kramer, but Troy Smith is back. If I'm not mistaken, Staley's a junior as well. Um, so, you know, Hey, there's no reason why they can't build off this going forward, and and be a a competitive team in that in that uh, district four next year. Yeah, absolutely. And they're I mean they're still competing this week as well. And we'll right. we'll talk about the quarterfinal matchups in just a minute. We'll put the big bracket up on the screen. So Camas County with the win, forty two to thirty six. That'll transition into the next game we're going to talk about uh, as Rockland hosted Garden Valley. That's the game that I was at broadcasting Thursday afternoon at three thirty. Uh, so, th- so this game, the the Rockland game, kicked off right as the Camas County game was kind of in the second half and and finishing up. So, as I'm getting these score updates and I'm I'm double checking to make sure, I was like, maybe we got the teams backwards, you know, maybe something's wrong. So, as soon as I got the actual confirmation, um, and and I the PA announcer that was next to me at Rockland heard me say the final score. He announced it over the loudspeakers and the Rockland players and their head coach, Jerry Hunter turned around and said, are you kidding me? <laughs> that can't be right. Yeah. Are you serious? And this is in the middle of a playoff game. So well, everybody kind of took a moment to stop and go, wow, I can't believe yeah. this happened. Yeah. And I'm sure that that was across the state too. You know, I'm sure some of these, you know, Zane Hobart up in North Idaho getting ready for, for his quarterfinal game this weekend against Horseshoe Bend. When he saw it, I bet you he refreshed to make sure, wait a minute, am I seeing this right? Um, I mean, that was, it was a huge surprise. And, and frankly, you get to that, that Rockland Garden Valley, a game that Rockland won, you know, pretty convincingly. That to me was a bit of surprise. You know, they put on a good showing and, uh, you know, I we talked a little bit last week about um, the the Rockland passing game potentially being a matchup problem for a lot of teams, and, and you can speak to this better because you witnessed it with your own eyes. But it certainly seemed to be the case that that Garden Valley just didn't have any answers for Gavin Perman and his wide receivers. Yeah, and then with Rockland, they have the size as well. You know, Garden Valley can match up athlete to athlete, but but 
size wise, they just don't. So a lot of times Perman was just kind of throwing it up for grabs and Wes Matthews was jumping up to get it or Teague Matthews was picking it up out of the air. Now, as they get further in the playoffs, they're not going to be able to do that as much. The passes will have to be a little more on target, not just, hey, I got a big guy. I'm going to throw it up to him and know that he's going to come down with the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Garden Valley, you could tell, I think they were a team that was <clears throat> trying to figure out what kind of what kind of identity should we have. And this was throughout the season, right? Sometimes they would come out and throw the ball. Sometimes they would come out and run. I mean, four different players took a snap at quarterback for Garden Valley in that game. And I don't think they ever really found out, hey, this is our QB. They didn't have a Corbin Fields this year. Yes. Yeah. They, had, they, they had a bunch of athletes, and they were trying to find the right places to put all these athletes. And so maybe with a lot of these guys coming back next year, Garden Valley only had two seniors on their mm-hmm. team, period. Yep. I think they're going to be a lot better next year. Yeah, I think you look at the you look at the eight teams remaining, and there's not really a question who's the field general for those eight teams. And that's you know that's just the reality with some of those some other teams that you know you're still trying to sort out some positions. And you think it's weird after why are we still sorting this out after eight weeks? Well, sometimes that happens. And uh, you know Jason Yearsley has been a very successful coach up there, so I'm not going to question anything that he does. He's won a lot of football games up there, um, and if if he was trying to find something that worked against a tough opponent, and Rockland's a tough opponent, I'm not going to question that. Um, he's always had some good athletes there, and he's always put them in a position to succeed. Um, and especially with a young team. Sometimes it doesn't make itself apparent after one game, two games, three games. If this was a senior heavy team, if, you know, you know, 10 of their 20 kids were seniors and they still weren't sure who their quarterback was, I'd think that that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, But for a team that is largely sophomores and juniors, which they were or are, I guess, um, I, I, I can understand why you try some different things when, you know, you're having a tough game, which. Uh, you know, they had against, against Rockland. Yeah. They, I mean, they got some turnovers on defense that kind of kept them in it in the first half, but then they just weren't able to cash in on those opportunities Mm -hmm. offensively as they fall 46 to six. So Rockland six and three moving on to the quarterfinals. Uh, The, the other two first round matchups that, that we saw, uh, well, or the other three involved the top three teams from District Four, right? You had Cary mm-hmm. defeat Timberline fifty-four to six, Castle Ford shut out Water Springs seventy to nothing, and Dietrich defeat Council sixty to thirty-eight. Maybe the coaches knew what they were doing when they said, "Yeah, District Four is going to get four teams into the playoffs this year, and the top three are all going to get home games." It certainly looks like that uh, that league was was better, even down to the third and fourth place teams, than a lot of the other leagues. Yeah, none of the none of the the winners surprised me. The spread of a couple of them surprised me. Um, you know, I, Castle Ford seventy to nothing over Water Springs. That surprises me a bit, and, and not because I don't think Castle Ford is that good. I think Water Springs is a little better than that, um, especially with Drew Plocker, one of the better you know one of the better playmakers in all of Division Two. For for him to get shut down and for them to be held off the scoreboard. That's that's a heck of a job by the Castle Ford defense. Let's let's call a spade a spade. You know that's a really good job by the Castle Ford defense, and uh, you know that that Dietrich Council game. You know I think we talked about last week that we felt like that was a little bit of a toss up game, and you know in in eight man ranks, you know a twenty point game is by no means a, a slaughter or anything like that, but it's a comfortable win, and and I'll say this, you know I think that so many people all year have been talking about Carey and Castleford. It's allowed Dietrich to fly under the radar a little bit. 
find themselves a little bit, and they're playing some really good football right now. I don't know that I'd want to play them. I don't know that I'd want to play Dietrich right now. They're the defending champs. They still got some really good players, and they're playing good football right now. Yeah, I was talking to one of our broadcasters last night, Logan Green, and he he was on the call for two different Dietrich games this year. The game uh, at Butte County in the middle of the season. And they then didn't do too well in that one. Right. And then the regular season finale against Kerry, where they almost won. And mm-hmm. he told me that the difference in how Dietrich looks is night and day. But yeah. the team he saw play Butte County is not the team that is playing currently for Dietrich. So it does seem like they really have uh, figured it out. Well, and one of the things that they did is, and you talk about trying to sort things out, um, it was they made a, a shift in their primary quarterback. It was Peyton Snedden at the beginning of the year with, with Cody Power uh, as a skill position kid. They basically flip-flopped those two, and both have had fantastic success. Power at quarterback, Snedden primarily at running back, and they've both filled those roles. They've both absolutely flourished, and as a result, the team has flourished, and you still got Jet Shaw on the outside, you know, a really good playmaker there. And so, uh, you know, they'll they'll play Camas County coming up. And and if they're able to advance, they're going to be a tough out. And I don't know that going back to, say, October 1st, I don't know that a lot of people thought that. I don't think I don't know that a lot of people were really buying Dietrich at that point. I don't know that I was buying Dietrich at that point, but I am now. I wasn't either. I was one of the people that I didn't even have Dietrich in my preseason top five in the media poll. I don't think they have ever been in my top five all year. And I'll have to admit that I was I was wrong about that. So yep. Yep. Um, let's take a look at the 1A D2 bracket. <clears throat> Here are the quarterfinal matchups. And again, if you're watching the video of this on IdahoSports.com, you can. Yeah, again, you'll see our faces get lopped off. I think people are used to that by now because we've done it a couple of times. It helps um, the broadcast when they can't see us, I think. Yes, for sure. And of course, if you're listening uh, to the audio only version of this on IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, uh, you can uh, follow along by going to IdahoSports.com. We've got all the updated brackets right there on the homepage. So we've got the bracket up on the screen for the for the people that are watching on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, let, let's just start at the top and work our way down. This is a quarterfinal matchup we talked about a little bit last week because it's been set in stone for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Kendrick is going to host Horseshoe Bend. Now, this game is actually going to be played at Lewiston High School Friday night, 7 o'clock. And this is, I don't know, this is a toss-up for me. Very much. Very much a toss-up. I think with, you know, we've seen Kendrick a couple of times here on Idaho Sports. You know, Ty Cap and the, the, the Hewitts. I mean, they've got... They've got skill and they've got speed to burn. Uh, Horseshoe Bend, you know, Colton Meyer, Blaine Meyer, you go down that list, they they can play as well. And and this is a game where if we would have seen this in two weeks in a state championship, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. And you brought up last week the, the fact that four of the five one seeds are playing this week, and this is two of them. Kendrick won the White Pine out of District 2. Horseshoe Bend won the the long pin out of District 3. With North Gem losing, we are guaranteed to have two one seeds make the semifinal. That's it. You know, because one is already out and two are going to lose this week. And, you know, whatever the rationale behind the decision making was, it's it's interesting to me that you would uh, that you would choose to do that and have such a dynamic matchup. Well, two of them, you know, because then you've got Kerry and then Mullen St. Regis, which we'll get to in a minute. But Kendrick Horseshoe Bend, um, 
you know, if the game was being played in Kendrick, uh, I think I might give Kendrick a little bit more of a nod, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, if, if there was a, a Vegas line on this, to me, this is a pick em game. You know, I think this, this is literally, this is the type of game that can go down to, you know, which team has the ball last, which team fumbles at the wrong time, which team has a player sprain an ankle on Wednesday at practice. You know, I think that, that, that those are the things that are going to decide this because on paper, they look, albeit different, they look very even to me. Horseshoe Bend has a good line, right? There's They have such size and talent on the offensive and defensive lines. So it'll be interesting to see how Kendrick's speed matches up with that size. I think I'm leaning Kendrick in this game, not for any reason other than I think Kendrick's good and they've been number two in really my media good. poll pretty really consistently good. this season. So yeah. uh, for lack of a better option, uh, here's the other interesting thing. Horseshoe Ben and Kendrick were both expecting to go on deep runs last year and both teams kind of got tripped up before they could cross that finish line. I know Horseshoe Ben especially. And so for uh, uh, one of these teams, the same thing, unfortunately, is going to happen again this year. It's too yeah. bad. Kendrick, uh, they were a very young team last year. They're a very young team this year. I think they've only got one or two seniors on the roster. Um, and, you know, you got Ty Kep, the quarterback there, who was really good uh, as a freshman. You know, I think he's an all-state caliber player as a sophomore. And Zane Hobart has him, you know, for, for two, two more years, as long as he's able to, you know, knock on wood, stay healthy. He's a really good player. He's a two-way threat. He can beat you with his arms or his feet. Colton Meyer at Horseshoe Bend is the same way. You know, this is a matchup of two of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the 1A Division II ranks. And like you said, you know, we're seeing it in the quarterfinals, not in the semifinals, not in the championship. We're seeing it in the quarterfinals. And whichever team comes out of this, you want to talk about getting a, a really stern test. You, you don't get many tests bigger than this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I understand with five districts, not every team can host a quarterfinal game, right? Somebody's going to have to go on the road. Right. But but shouldn't four of the five get a home game against somebody else for winning think, their district? I think you can certainly make that argument. I think that, uh, you know, you want to reward the teams that uh, that have the best regular seasons. And, you know, we can sit here and argue. And, and, and I had some Twitter conversations over the past week with people who are like, well, this team's just average. Who did they beat? Well, you know, that's that is the exact logic that was used against the Boise state football team for years is that, you know, who did, you know, Wyoming air force, Colorado state, who did they beat? Um, so, you know, we don't, we don't know how good some of these teams are. What we have to do is we have to grade them on the body of work that they're presented. We can't hold the fact that, that the white pine, you know, Deary was down a little bit. Timberline had their COVID struggles. Lewis County was, you know, not as good as they've been in the past. We can't hold that against Kendrick, in my opinion. They won all the games on their schedule outside of the the, the Oakley game, which not too many teams beat Oakley this year. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that merits a bit of a reward. Now, you say, yeah, they're getting a home game. So that was maybe not the best example in the world. Mullen St. Regis was probably a better example. Um, I think, I, I don't know how many people south of... Nez Person and Craigmont really have much of a feel for how good this Mullen St. Regis team could be. And I think going to Cary and playing Cary, I think that's going to answer that question once and for all. I agree. I agree. That's on the bottom half of the bracket. So let's quickly talk about the the other matchup that we see at the top. So Horseshoe Bend taking on Kendrick, and then the winner of that will play the winner of 
Rockland at Castleford. This will be Friday night, uh, 7 o'clock in Castleford. I think, actually, this is an intriguing matchup as well. I would Very. lean Castleford, but... Uh, with the, if it's if it's a nice day weather wise, I think Rockland can hang with anybody. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think what you mentioned earlier on, I think it's a matter of you know those long balls to the Matthews. Are are they able to just go up and high point and win those battles, or can the Castleford defensive backs, uh, you know, make it tough? Can can they can they contest those balls? They don't even have to intercept them. Just don't let Rockland catch the ball if. Um, you know, if, if Perman has time to throw and he's able to hit some of those deep throws uh, to Teague Matthews and West, West Matthews, I absolutely think they can play in this game and they have a chance to win it. However, you know, we've seen the Castle Ford defense a few times. It's, it's a pretty good group of athletes over there. And if they're able to contest those throws, if they're able to take away what Rockland does so well, um, I, I think it's a game that, that Castle Ford probably wins. Yeah, and, and on the flip side, Rockland's defensive line really made it tough for Garden Valley. Garden Valley wanted to line up and run the football for the most part, and uh, Rockland shut that down pretty well. So it'll be interesting to see how Castleford's rushing attack does against this Rockland you know, linebacking and defensive line unit. But but I'm with you. I kind of lean Castleford in this one, but we'll have to see. Yes, yeah. It, it's, it's one of those ones where the weather could be a factor, um, and I haven't looked at the forecast, but if it's – you know, if it winds up being rainy, cold, windy, insert any of those here, I think that that works against Rockland and for Castle Ford a little bit. Um, but if it's a clean, calm night and and Rockland is able to win some of those deep ball battles, I, absolutely they can stay in it. Absolutely they're good enough to, to potentially win this game. Weather.com says Friday in Castle Ford, partly cloudy, only a 5% chance of precipitation and okay. Kickoff's going to be in the fifties. So okay, okay, that's that's <laughs> that's good news if you're a Rockland fan. I'll, yes. I'll, that's my opinion. Yep, I I agree with that. So that's the top half of the bracket, and then as we move to the bottom half, again we've kind of talked about it. Mullen St. Regis, the champs uh, out of District One up north, taking on Kerry. You know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about this because we got we kind of knew the matchup that was going to happen. You know, because Mullen St. Regis was the first team in the entire state to clinch a playoff mm-hmm. berth. Yep. And I kind of talked about, man, this is really unfair that Mullen, you know, St. Regis has a really good team and their reward is they, is they have to go play carry. And you brought it up, Will, and you said, that's not fair for carry either. It, it really <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they have to look down the tracks and they see that Mullen St. Regis is coming and, and carry has looked vulnerable in a couple of games this year that we've seen They're They're a fantastic team. Don't get me wrong. You know, Connor Simpson, Chase Benyon, Larna, you know, we can go down the list. They carry has always got a, a small army of good football players. You know, Lane Kirkland and his staff do a fantastic job there. And this year, no different, no different whatsoever. But you go up to Mullen St. Regis, where, you know, if if you just look at the numbers, I don't think you realize Adam Ball and Luke Trogdon, the two running backs up there, and, and Caleb Ball, the quarterback, those players were largely limited by um situation by circumstance if you will uh, there were games that Adam Ball might have only got seven carries or Luke Trogdon may have only got six touches or uh Caleb Ball was pulled at halftime and then you you expand it out Blake Layton had a great year Floyd Nelson had a great year as well I mean it's not just those three but you know what what could those players have done if they were getting 20 carries a game if if head coach Stetson Spooner was leaving those guys in and letting them play three and a half quarters before going to the second team, what 
what kind of numbers could they have put up? They could have won a lot of games, you know, 80 to six, you know, and I'm, I'm throwing that number out arbitrarily, but they, they didn't do that. Um, they, they, they played it fairly close to the vest in that regard. And sure there's film out there and you can go look at the film and you can see them. But uh, last year, something similar happened and Stetson Spooner has talked about this. We got off the bus in Dietrich for the playoffs, but we didn't really get off the bus. And Dietrich won that game pretty convincingly on en route to a state championship. This year's team for Mullen St. Regis, a year older, a year wiser, and they've done this now. They, they've done this trip. They, they won a playoff game last year at home over Horseshoe Bend. They've made this trip before. And I don't think that they'll have the big eyes this time. And, and I think that they're talented. They're strong. They've got, you know, multiple kids on that team are, are getting, you know, recruiting letters from colleges to maybe go play college football. Uh, how many eight-man teams can say that? So I think they're I think they're a very dangerous team. They're a very dangerous team, and this is another one, same as Kendrick Horseshoe Bend. Um, I think playing this game in the quarterfinals um, hurts the classification a little bit. This game would be well served under the bright lights of either the semifinals or the championship instead of the quarterfinals. But this is the bracket they agreed to. This is the uh, what they're going with, and boy, you, this, this is this is a good one. This is. I think, and, and I don't mean this as a disrespect to any of the other games in the classification. If if I could if I could throw down my ten bucks and go to a game, this is probably the one I'd go to. Yeah, and uh, if you can't, we will have this game for you on IdahoSports.com. This is going to be must see. I would say TV, but must must see webcasting mm-hmm. on IdahoSports.com. And again, if you want to see the whole schedule of games, we got about 85% of the quarterfinal games from 5A down to 1A covered this nice. week. Nice. Uh, just, just go to the game streams tab at IdahoSports.com. You'll see the entire broadcast schedule for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. So yeah, Kerry Mullen St. Regis is going to be a fantastic matchup. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to call, I'm going to call Mullen St. Regis. Call with, in your shot with the win. We'll we'll see. Uh, I have to I have to pick a new state champ since North Gem is out, um, and so I will say Mullen St. Regis is my new favorite. So I, I think that that's a team that has a very very strong chance, very strong chance. I've been on, I've been on their train from the get go. Uh, I would be hard pressed to pick against Carey at home, uh, but and I don't remember the score when Dietrich uh, hosted Mullen St. Regis last year, but as I recall, it was something like you know, 40 to nothing, something along those lines. This will not be 40 to nothing, in my opinion. This will be, you know, 38, 32, two minutes to go. The team that needs a touchdown has the ball. Um, and whether or not they go down and score and win, you know, that's that's the drama here. Is I expect this to be uh, a very even, very strong, very physical game where, uh, you know, it's – it, it, it's going to be where, you know, Castleford Rockland could be a lot of big explosive plays. This could be much more of a grinded out, uh, you know, between the guards up the middle, who tackles better, you know, who plays good assignment football and makes tackles. That might be the, that might be the deciding factor in this one. Yeah. So last year, Dietrich defeated Mullen 64 to nothing. Kind of, okay. kind of an eye opener, like you said, for, yes. for coach Spooner. Okay, so the final matchup, speaking of Dietrich, it is a rematch, uh, two conference uh, rivals going at it. Dietrich will host 
Camas County. This game will take place uh, Friday night at six o'clock in Dietrich. You know, for Camas County, I don't I don't rule anything out now, but I will say that I think Dietrich is uh, a favorite and probably a heavy favorite just based upon how things went in the regular season. And and beyond that, if nothing else, they have Dietrich's full attention. They know that that Camas County just went to Bancroft and beat North Gem. So any chance, any chance that the Blue Devils were going to overlook the Mushers is now gone. Um, and I'm with you. This is going to be the second straight tall order for Camas County. I think we've learned um, that, you know, we can't write them off. You know, they, they can, they can come in and surprise some folks for sure. Um, but you know, I, I, this for the second straight week, if, if you're making me choose, I'm, I'm picking against Camas County, but with the full caveat in there, they put egg on everybody's face once before, and there's absolutely no rule that says they can't do it again. It's a good thing. I like eggs. So (laughs) my, my final four officially, I'll put it on the record. I've got Kendrick. Castle Ford, Mullen St. Regis, and Dietrich. That's what I think. Uh, hard to argue against it. You know, it's, you know, we can sit here and we can get into the minutiae of, uh, of just about any one of these matchups. But, uh, you know, I, I could argue, you know, Horseshoe Bend, Rockland, Cary, and, and Camas County. Um, that's, that's the fun of the quarterfinals, right? Is you're supposed to be down to your, your eight best squads and, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I think we've got uh, eight pretty good teams still playing. Absolutely. And if you thought the 1AD2 landscape was crowded, just wait till you see what's on tap in the 1AD1 ranks because that thing is wide open as well. Yes. We'll break down the 1AD1 action right after this break. Uh, you are watching slash listening to the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. We'll be right back. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Welcome back to the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast, IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bating with Will Henneke as we move on to the 1A D1 ranks. We can kind of just summarize the the first round games because none of them were particularly close. And then we can Mm -hmm. kind of just uh, dive into... Um, the quarterfinal matchup. So I'll just kind of recap each game and you give me a quick thought or two, uh, something that stood out. Does that sound okay, Will? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so uh, we had, and, and I'll put up the bracket so you can see it here. Uh, we had at the top, Oakley, the, the top at large team, defeats Wallace 64-8. to eight. Uh, Wallace had to travel after playing that Kansas City tiebreaker on Monday and, and Oakley you know, shows why they're one of the uh, top teams in the state. You know, I was talking to uh, somebody from Oakley after that game, and they said, look, we think that Wallace team has a chance to go compete in Division Two next year. They and Lakeland are both uh, – or Lakes, uh, Lakeside, I'm sorry, are both dropping down to Division Two next year. But, you know, this was just a depth and a strength thing. Um, Oakley was the better team, and, uh, you know, they did what they needed to do, and they, and they got the job done. But they were very respectful that Wallace went down there and, and competed, and, and they were very – uh, very complimentary of of that minor program and what what they can can do at the one AD two level next year. I do. I think that's going to be a fun conference with Clark Fork and Wallace and Lakeside and and Mullen St. Regis yes. and Kootenai. It's completely be a lot agree. Of fun. Completely agree. <laughs> 
All right, the next matchup, uh, this was a rematch of a District 2 uh, battle, White Pine League. Uh, Lapway defeats Clearwater Valley 58-6. to The Yearout brothers balled out. Titus Yearout, three touchdowns uh, to his brother, Elias Yearout. And then Elias had two uh, touchdowns on the ground, and Titus scored a rushing touchdown as well. So Lapway looking good. The the win didn't surprise me for Lapway. The gap did. Um, and, and Clearwater Valley was a team that, you know, they they fought their way into the playoffs and they deserve to be there. But I think that they feel like we let we let a little bit of a season get away here. You know, they um, they they could have they had the potential to do a little bit better than they did uh, for Lapway. I think that they're one of those teams that uh, as long as they're playing on clean, they're, they're so athletic and they're so fast and they've got so much skill that as long as you take the uh, outside factors out of it, you know, if, as long as there's a good playing surface and there's no wind and there's no rain, they can be, they, they're right there with the top four. They are right there with the top four. Uh, we know the, their run-and-gun style in basketball. It's really transferred over to the football field this year. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third matchup, Potlatch defeats Grace 46-8. to eight. Uh, I, I picked Potlatch to win. I'm kind of like you. The spread surprised me a little bit. Tyler Howard, 172 yards and three touchdowns on the ground for Potlatch, and he also hauled in a, a 35-yard touchdown pass from Tyson Tucker. So Potlatch yeah. looks good. And they're one of the, and and you ask around the White Pine, they're one of the better coached programs in eight-man football with Ryan Ball and his staff. This was a team that a few years ago, uh, they didn't know if they were going to have a team. And then Ryan Ball stepped in to be the coach, and they, I think, immediately went something like three and five, four and four, and they've just kind of continued that uh, upward trajectory. And, And with Tyler Howard, they've got a bell cow running back that they can hand the ball to 25 times. You know, if, if they, uh, when they are able to, uh, control the ball and run the football. They're uh, they're they're a tough team to handle. Yeah. So Potlatch looked strong. Grace, you know, I I, I thought they would keep it a little closer, but yeah, they had to, they had to travel to New Plymouth to play that game. But so did Potlatch. Uh, the final game, uh, Genesee over Murtaugh, sixty-two to thirty-six, and Cy Wareham uh, earned one of your uh, Idaho Eight Man three stars for the week. Um, he had nine catches, 202 yards, two touchdowns, and then on defense, uh, 11 tackles and a 65-yard interception return for a touchdown as well. So, so Genesee, this was the closest game of the first round, and again, wasn't that close. Yeah, and, and Cy Wareham and, and Jack Johnson have been two of the most versatile players in the 1A Division Division One ranks this year as far as big numbers on offense and defense. And they've also got Angus Jordan in there, a really good athlete. Um, and, and Jordan and, and Wareham have kind of switched a little bit off and on at quarterback, depending on situations. Uh, you know, Genesee's, Genesee's a good club. Justin, Justin Podravsky, the head coach there, has done a really nice job with that team. Uh, I believe they're 7-2 and two now after the win, uh, the win over Murtaugh. Uh, not an accident. You know, it's very, very legit. Uh, Murtaugh, in, in talking to a couple of coaches over the weekend, a lot of people have pointed at them and said, okay, that was a young team. This was the kind to get your feet wet and go in there and, and really prime yourself for maybe making a little bit of a run next year down in District 4. Uh, so the Red Devils, you know, Junior, Batanz, or Junior Benitez is a nice player. Uh, Cesar Alberto, a good player. They've, they've got some talent there. And now next year is the year that maybe they are able to, to step forward and punch through. All right. And Todd Jensen is a great coach at, at mm-hmm. Murtaugh as well. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Genesee, this team, again, I keep drawing parallels to the state championship baseball team that, that won the baseball title this past spring. I was at the 1A uh, state baseball tournament, and it, kind of the same deal. Genesee came in with not a ton of fanfare. You know, they finished middle of the pack in the White Pine League in the regular season, and it's all the same players, Cy Wareham, Teak Wareham, Jack Johnson. Um, and and they kind of just, when it came to crunch time, delivered, and uh, it's a lot of the same athletes. They just had that winning mentality at Genesee, so... What was that music? Was that just on my end? Yeah, that must have been yours. I didn't hear anything. I just had some sweet music just suddenly random play on my randomly play on my computer. (laughs) Um, Trying to find out what it was. It was like a little musical interlude or something. Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, uh, you know, they they deserve to be in the top eight. I think they're one of the best eight teams. Um, I I think that, uh, you know, they draw a tough, a, a very tough opening assignment or a shall we say, quarterfinal assignment, having to go to Oakley, who I think is very good, especially defensively. And, uh, but you know, they're, they're where they belong. You know, they deserve to be there. It's not an accident. Yeah. So if we look to the bracket, the quarterfinal round, uh, you'll see of the eight teams that are playing four are from the white pine league. Uh, Jason Hansen, who broadcasts games up North for us on the Palouse, he always calls the white pine league, the SEC of eight man football. And yeah, historically, I, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. and you look at those four, like, uh, you know, there's, there's one in, well, there's, let's see, I guess three Genesee Lapway, Lapway Prairie playing each other. You know, would it be the most shocking thing in the world if there were three White Pine teams and then either Butte County or Notice in the semis? I I don't think that that would be the biggest upset in the history of football. It would take a couple of good efforts for it to happen. But, uh, you know, they, they play they play good football up there. And I mean, not to say that they don't elsewhere, but my goodness, they take it seriously up there, man. It is Friday night in in Troy or Potlatch or you know, Cottonwood where, where Prairie is, that's a big, big deal. Yes. Uh, I, I call it the big 12 cause it's all wide open offense. Every, every game's a shootout 60 to 50. Usually it seems like so they do play uh, some big scores. They do. Yes. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Okay. So if we look, they reseeded the teams one through eight. So for example, Oakley, even though they had to play a first round game, they're the number two seed overall. Right. So we'll just start at the top and work our way down the bracket. Raft river is the number one overall seed. We knew that coming in, mm-hmm. they get to play potlatch. I will admit, I don't think this is a good matchup for potlatch. I've been on raft river from the start. I think they continue their winning ways here with a quarterfinal matchup, but how do you see it? I'm not sure that raft river is a good matchup for anybody uh, <laughs> in the eight man ranks. And, you know, I, I think there's some teams that can absolutely play with raft river and absolutely beat raft river. I think potlatch is going to have to play a heck of a football game. I think Tyler Howard is going to have to have a big game. They're going to have to protect the football. They're going to have to avoid turnovers um, and uh, more importantly, on defense, they're going to have to create some turnovers. And Raft River doesn't exactly put it on the turf a ton. They play a very sound, very smart game. So, uh, I mean, I think advantage Raft River. I don't think it's going to be 70 to 12, but, uh, you know, I could see it being somewhere in the line of, you know, 38 to 12, maybe somewhere in that general vicinity. Uh, Potlatch is going to have to play well. I think Raft River is just a, a better team, and that's not a knock on Potlatch. That's a tip of the cap to Raft River. Yep. I think Potlatch will have to play their best game and also have Raft River play one of their worst games. It would have to be a combination of factors, I think, for Potlatch there. Uh, That game will take place on Saturday. 
inside Holt Arena at 1 p.m. So uh, not only does Potlatch have to travel all the way to Raft River, but then they got to add tack on another hour or uh, two hours to go to Holt Arena. Uh, we will have that game for you on IdahoSports.com audio only broadcast. This is the most intriguing matchup to me in in the uh, in the second round. Lapway at Prairie. Friday night, 6 o'clock, Prairie kind of ran Lapway out of the building the first time these two teams met in the regular season. Does anything change for Lapway here? Um, Like I said before, I think as as long as the there's no wind, there's no rain, there's no inclement weather, I think they can handle cold. Um, I mean, you live in the panhandle. You're kind of used to not, you know, tropical temperatures. Um I think that as long as as long as there are no extenuating circumstances that are out of uh, the Wildcats' control, um, I don't think they have any reason to be scared of Prairie per se. Um, but I also don't think the outcome the first time around was an accident. I think uh, Prairie is an outstanding football team, and they can get it done on both sides of the football. They have big play potential. They don't need to throw it a little bit, but they can hit some home runs if you – uh, you know, if you lose your assignment on defense. So I think the key for Lapway is just play a good, clean, disciplined game. You know, don't turn it over. Don't commit bad penalties. You know, play sound assignment football. Uh, if, if they do that, margin's definitely going to shrink down. It's not going to be 62 to 26 or whatever it was last time around. But at the end of the day, I think Prairie's a little bit better football team, and I would expect them to advance. I do also like Prairie in this matchup, and for Prairie, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're pr- they're a pretty motivated bunch if you if you talk to them up north because they went eight and zero in the regular season, yeah. and they only got the four seed. I know they're not happy with that and perplexed as to how that happened, and I think that's a big motivator for Prairie. Uh, I think so too. Uh, I think so too. And you go back to last year where they were basically a bobbled snap away from being in the state championship game. Um, you know, so there's, there, there's two chips, you know, whether there's one on each shoulder, there's, you know, they're getting weighed down on one side or the other, but the, 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 the four seed is a very real thing up in, in North Idaho, in, in Cottonwood, people trying to understand, uh, you know, one person close to the Prairie program said for the life of us, we cannot figure out what we have to do to move up. Um, because, you know, you look at it this way and, and we're looking kind of revisionist history when we look at it like this, you know, there are, there are four white pine teams still playing football and the, the top one is ranked number four, you know, yeah. you've got four, five, seven, eight. So, I, I mean, I understand, I understand their confusion. I think a lot of people are confused and, and I think you're right. I think that uh, I think that that's a, that's a big motivator for them. And I think a potential semifinal matchup, Prairie Raft River, that's about as good as it gets in eight-man football if it happens. Lapway and Potlatch have something to say about that um, and undoubtedly will because Lapway, I think that Lapway might have a little bit of chip on their shoulder too because A, they lost Prairie the first time around. And B, I think a lot of people have been saying for a while, probably us included to be fair, that it's Raft River, Prairie, Oakley, Butte County, and then everybody else. And Lapway's like, hang on, wait a minute. Don't forget about us. They're a good football team. Um, so I think that there's chips on both sides. But like I said, I just I think Prairie is a little bit deeper and a, and a little bit better. But that's by no means, again, that's by no means a disparaging comment on Lapway, who I think is a, a tremendous football team. 
Yeah, I think the theme will continue along those lines as we go to the bottom of the bracket now. Number seven, Genesee, uh, taking on number two, Oakley. This game will take place uh, in Oakley Friday night, 6 o'clock. This is another game we'll have on IdahoSports.com. And again, this is not to say Genesee is not a good team. They are, but Oakley is a great team, and I like the Hornets here. Yeah, I I do as well. I think Genesee is going to have to make some big plays on offense, and we detailed earlier. They I think they've got the players to do it, but uh, not many teams have had much success against Oakley's defense, and that's not an accident. Um, you know, you don't play eight nine games where you basically stifle outside of one half at the beginning of the year against Lapway. You basically defensively stifled everyone, uh, and that includes Raft River. And I know Raft River won that game but they weren't exactly chewing up the field left and right against Oakley's defense. Um, Genesee is going to have to kind of break that mold. They're going to have to be able to hit some throws. They're going to have to be able to run effectively. They're going to have to be able to protect, whether it's Angus Jordan or Cy Wareham at quarterback, they're going to have to be able to protect them. Uh, If they can do that, if they can turn it into a bit of a shootout, they have a chance to hang in the game. But I think if they struggle to score, uh, I think it could get away with them because or get away from them because I do think Oakley, though they don't necessarily have that um, that one guy that has 1,500 yards or anything like that. When you go through, uh, you know, Peyton Beck, you go through Dace Jones at wide receiver, Ethan Torbau and Bryce Severe at running back, um, Houston Bingham. They got a lot of different guys that can beat you. A lot of different guys. And if you're if you're taking away this guy, okay, we're just going to shift over here and go to this guy. And and they've made a they've made a season out of it. They've done it very effectively. They've done it very efficiently, and uh, I, I think it probably continues this week. Yeah, I, I like uh, Oakley in that matchup there. And then the final matchup. So we've talked about Will in terms of eight man football at the D one level, right? District four and District two have kind of had a stranglehold on all the state titles, right? With the exception of I think Lost Rivers, which was a co op between Butte County and Mackey. Mm-hmm. So for those teams in District three and District 5 and 6. They're trying to break through and and say, hey, we've got good teams as well. Well, this is essentially a knockout game at the bottom here. Notice the 6 seed taking on Butte County, the 3 seed. Each of these are respective district champions trying to prove that, hey, we can compete with the White Pine League and District 4 as well. I was talking with one of the one of the coaches in the in the 1A Division 1 ranks and I said if there was a team, if you were going to make me circle a team that isn't one of those top four or five that has potentially a chance to break through. I said, it might be notice. Now they're going to have to earn it, but with Carter Woodland at running back, Caden Clemens, the quarterback, they've got uh, some dynamic players, Julian Gallegos on defense. They've got some dynamic defensive players, but the, the, the question for them all year has been, okay, when, when the lights really shone bright, have they shown that brightly? People around Idaho, um, frankly, to be blunt, they, they question whether or not notice is, is ready for this. I think athletically they are, I think skill wise they are. Uh, I just don't know that they, well, I know I, I would, I'll just say it. They haven't faced a team as good as Butte County yet, as physical as Butte County, as strong as Butte County, in my opinion. So how they respond to that, uh, Sam Thorngren's team up there in Arco, how well they respond to getting that punch in the mouth because you know we know if there's one thing those pirates are going to do they're going to they're going to hammer you they're going to they're going to come right at you they're going to get behind their pads and they're going to pound on you and if if you are not able to answer that challenge it can get away from notice quickly 
Notice has the tools to compete. Notice has the skills to win. If it's a question to me of whether or not they do it. Uh, and I know that sounds obvious, but um, I, I think that they're, if, if, I, if you're going to make me pick one lower seed to win in the first round, I think I'd lean notice. Sorry, Coach Thorngren. But at the same time, if, if you're asking me who I think is going to win, I think it's going to be Butte County. But I think notice is very capable of going in there and stealing a win. But they're going to have to, they're going to have to prove that they can take a punch in order to do it. Yeah, the other big factor I think in Butte County's favor is, and again, I was talking to Logan Green, our one of our broadcasters, about this last night. Is Butte County's got a lot of guys. They've got really, really good depth. He said when I did that Dietrich game and I looked over at their sideline, you know, it almost looked like a small two A program. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah. they had a lot of guys. They do, and then they're able to they're able to mix it up a little bit. Again, it's not just one guy that has to do all the damage for them. They got a few guys that can do some damage for them. And that's something else. You look at that, that notice defensive front and it's, that's a good front, their defensive line and their linebackers. That's a good group. They're going to be challenged and they're going to have to get in their gaps. They're going to have to get their assignments. They're going to have to make tackles. And like I said, you know, when, when that running back is coming downhill at them at a million miles an hour, are they going to step in there and are they going to meet that challenge? Are they, are they going to stick that ball carrier? Are they just going to kind of reach out and hope that they get a foot going by? And I'm saying that metaphorically, not literally, but I think that's, I think that's this game, you know, can notice, can they stand up to a really good football team, a team that I think can compete for a state championship? Can they stand in the ring with them and, and exchange some punches? Cause if they can, they're in it and very much a factor to win. Yep. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think Butte County wins this game. And for notice, as they're continuing to develop their program, you know, they can use this as a stepping stool. But uh, I, if I look at the bracket, I'll give you my official on the record picks. And again, if I'm wrong next week, I would love to own it. It's not that I don't like teams. People think I don't like teams, and that's not true. I just have opinions, and I'm, I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong about teams. Yeah. But I think this goes all Chuck. I think it's going to be Raft River, Prairie, Oakley, Butte County, as boring as that sounds. I think, though, I would say ultimately I, I believe those will be the four winners as well. Um, but I think that there are going to be a couple barn burners in there. I really do. I think there's going to be some, and, you know, maybe as many as three, hell, maybe all four. Um, I, I think there's going to be some great, great football played there. But at the end of the day, um, those those top four teams, so Raft River, Prairie, Oakley, Butte County, would be the four that I would expect to come out on top. Yep. Okay. Well, that uh, does it for our quarterfinal previews of all the eight man action. And again, if you uh, want to see if your favorite team is going to be on IdahoSports.com, just click on the game streams tab on the homepage at IdahoSports.com. You'll see the whole broadcast schedule for the weekend. Will, this is uh, very exciting stuff. There's a lot oh, yeah. of good matchups, and I can't wait to break it all down again next week. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be fun. I wonder if Paul will be here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'll call Chuck on that and say, uh, no, no. <laughs> so, uh, Paul kind of got ran out by, uh, some of the, fa- he had some very hot takes early on this year oh. and he kind of, he kind of crumbled under the pressure, I think of, of fan bases <laughs> reaching out to him. call him clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, clickbait uh, Kingsbury. That's all oh, that, that does. That sounds good. That, that, uh, really flows really pops. So nice. clickbait Kingsbury. 
<laughs> I'm going to go with it. I don't know if it'll stick, but I'm going to go with it. You know what? That's the title of the episode, too, when I upload this later. Fake <laughs> <Nick> Kingsbury. <laughs> nice. Very good. Very yep. good. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you back here next time on IdahoSports.com.